Close your eyes. In your mind, picture the average US citizen. Think about it. How old are they? What's their hair like? What do they do for fun? Got one? Likely the person you're picturing looks a little different to the average American. There are about 326 million US citizens. About 51% are female. So the average American is a woman. Is that what you pictured? 58 million are Latino, 49 million are senior citizens, 28 million are disabled, and almost 19 million are Asian. E pluribus unum, from many, one. A United States of America, from many different people, bound together to make one unified. So, now look at the church, the body of Christ. We are made up of many different parts, many gifts, cultures, and people brought together by the love of God, each as important as the other. The very purpose of God in Christ is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. A unity that will spread love beyond division. Any people group, any age, gender, or race. It is one body of Christ that will bring glory to God. And that's how the world will know God's love. Through the glory that brings the kingdom of God to earth. It never fails, right? Anytime you get to go, if, if you're like me and you don't live where, in, where you grew up, when you go back <clears throat> and I'm with my dad, it just reminds me so much of why I am the way that I am and what's super important to me. So again, my dad was a physical education teacher. So in my home, it was all about sports. He coached football, basketball, and baseball. And uh, driving by, I took my kids and reminisced through some of the areas. They always loved to go see my school where I was. And when I was a little boy, my summer, like right now in August, my summer was I would get up at the crack of dawn with my dad and every day I'd go and I'd be at that football practice. Two a days. Anybody do two a days? Okay, me. It's called hell, right? It's unbelievable how much. But when I was a young kid, that was my life every day. In the, in the, the glory moment for me, when I was like eight, nine years old, was then the Friday night lights on the field, and they'd kick, after the kickoff would happen, I'd get to run out on the field and grab the tee. You know, <laughs> look at me, my glory. But, but here's, here, here's what I realized. I, so all that mattered to me growing up was football. I mean, that was the most important thing. So back then, you couldn't play football until you were in eighth grade, tackle football until you were in eighth grade. And so I'll never forget, man, eighth grade came, and I finally get put the pads on, and I got in that first game, and I was killing it, man, scoring touchdowns, making tackles. And then I grab this guy, and I bring him down on top of me. This whole, everybody jumps on top, and I just scream, get off! And I look down, and my arm is literally an S. It was here, then here, then here, and then my hand was over there. And I just yelled, why me? <laughs> you know? and, um, but I want to tell you something. Here's, here's something. It's a universal truth. Something that's supposed to be together, when it's broken, doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. So you put a cast on it, you do everything you can to bring it back together, because that's what it was intended to be. Two years later, I was a, 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 in, when we were in high school, uh, when I was a freshman, the JV team, the, the sophomores, went undefeated. They were awesome. I hated practicing against them, and they were so big and so tough. And so they went undefeated. Then when we were sophomores, we went undefeated. 
So when we got together, right, this class and our class, both undefeated, we just knew, man, we're going to be awesome. We're going to win this championship. Guess what happened? About halfway through the year, a rift, what's supposed to be together, when it's not together, doesn't work. And I'll never forget, about halfway through the year, this Tim Powell, man, the dude's legs were about this big, man. He was our toughest fullback, running back. And we're in the huddle, and he's looking at me, and they bring the call and the play. And when they called the play from the coach, Tim Howell looks at me, and he goes, we're not running that play. As a quarterback, who do you listen to? <laughs> the coach or scary Tim Howell? You listen to Tim, right? So next thing you know, we start calling plays that the coach isn't even calling. Oh, man. When we got in the bus after that game, because it was an away game, we're all sitting on the bus, the coach came in, and he just started ripping on Tim. And I'll never forget, Tim had no respect for that coach, and he stood up, and he got right in his face and went, guess what happened, man? What's supposed to be together? When it's not together, when it's disconnected, your season falls apart. This is a universal truth. I turn on my TV, and it's not working. <laughs> what does your TV say to you? As soon as you turn it on and it's not working, what's the first thing it says? Unplug it. Oh, well, it doesn't, no, it doesn't. That's what you should do. But that's not what it says. The first thing it says is check your connection <laughs> and make sure that your connection is secure. Because if your connection, if that's not happening, it doesn't work. Okay, so now let's go to where we're going here. Relationships are meant to be together, right? So marriage, your relationship with your kids, you're going to go to work tomorrow. How are your relationships going with, you, with the people at work? Your relationship with God. And when you get disconnected with your spouse, or if you get disconnected with your coworkers, or if you get disconnected from God, it doesn't work. So here's what I want you to do, and I hope you grabbed a program. Can you guys do me a favor? Like, make sure you grab programs from now on, because we're actually, in this series, we're going to go through the book of Ephesians. I'm going to be giving you tons of stuff. In fact, the main application from today, if you don't have your program, get out your notes on your phone or something, but get the stuff down, okay? Here's what I want you to think about for me real quick before we start the message. Where in your life right now are you experiencing separation or division? These are, you know, these, these, are not, these are not long questions. So just, but just right now, and if you don't have something to write on, think deeply. Where are you experiencing division in a relationship? And that couldn't be with God. Okay, here's a second question. What's resulting from that division? What results is division actually producing in your life? As I, saw, as I thought through this, this week, I mean, there's so, it's, and here's, we gotta get quick, because I got so much I wanna share with you today. But there's often so much pain that we walk into here because of the brokenness that's in our relationships. But let me tell you another universal truth. When things are connected, when they're together, and when they're unified, it's awesome. <laughs> Teams win. Symphonies actually sound beautiful. 
workplaces thrive. So this is just true. When things are united and connected deeply, life works. So here's the last question before I pray. What would your life look like today? So you've thought about the thing that's divided right now, the thing that's disconnected, the thing that's not working. Stop for a moment. If you need to, just close your eyes and imagine what would your life look like if there was actually unity and oneness. And just write that down. Imagine it and picture it. Okay, I'm going to pray for us. Before I pray, I'm going to remind you of something. Here's what's going to happen in this next half hour together. Um, God is here. Do you guys know that? Okay, four of you. Cool. Um, So God says, you come together in my name. He goes, I'm actually present. Here's the amazing thing about God. He says, I'm going to actually give you my spirit, and his spirit knows the thoughts of God. So here's what's going to happen for about the next half hour as I'm speaking to you. You are going to constantly have thoughts. About half of them aren't even going to have anything to do with the message, right? You're going to be thinking about what you're doing later today or what happened this week or whatever. But you are going to have thoughts going through your head. You're going to be thinking about what I'm saying. You're going to be thinking about these scriptures. But I guarantee you at some point during this talk, you're going to have thoughts that are going to come out of left field. You're going to have somebody, a face, is going to creep into your mind. God is going to speak to you, and he's going to give you his thoughts. That's what's going to happen. It happens every week here. And if you're open, as you're thinking, as you're paying attention, and Jesus said this, we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I'm going to give you his written word, but the Spirit is going to speak directly to you in these next 30 minutes. And if you will pay attention, be aware of those thoughts, take them to heart and say, Jesus, what do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? You'll walk out of here and you'll have a chance to experience life like you didn't have when you walked in. That's just how God works. Isn't that cool? All right, so let's pray and let's ask him right now to make us attentive to what he wants to tell us about this whole idea of unity. God, thank you for being present here. Thanks for every person. Thanks for your love for us. I am asking, would you just be gracious to all of us, but would you help me to be faithful to your word? But as I'm speaking on behalf of everybody who's here, we just ask you, but you speak, God. It's amazing to me. I don't know how you do it, but somebody else can actually say something, and yet we'll hear you. That's my prayer. And God, would you show us the brokenness in our life, the things that aren't working, and would you give us hope of what could happen if there was unity? And I pray for that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's the uniqueness, you guys, of being a human being. Every one of us, every, human beings can actually have desires, right? You, we, we can have things that we want to see happen. And those rise up within us, but then there's a deeper place within us called our will. And what's amazing about this will that God has given us is you can actually have thoughts, but your deeper part of your will can actually decide to listen to those thoughts or not. You can actually have feelings, and your feelings don't have to run your life. There's a deeper part of who you are, that, and it's the place where you make the decision of what you're actually going to do with your life. That's what, partly what it means to be human. So you get desires, but then you have this deeper place called your will, 
And in that will is where you decide, I'm going to do this. When you get desires and it gets to your will and you make that decision, guess what you get? You get a purpose. You finally have a purpose in life, something that is out there, something you want to give your life to, and it captures you. And people who actually fully live are the people who are in tune with what they desire, and then with their will, they decide, I'm going to go get it, because it becomes the purpose of their life. And then once you have that purpose, then you develop a plan. And you go, this is how I'm going to see that purpose fulfilled that I desire to see happen. That's, that's one of the things, the coolest things about it is to be human. Now, you know why we have that? Because there's a God who said, I'm going to create you in my image. Did you know, did you guys know that God actually has desires? And that out of those desires, he has a will, God has a will, and then he can make a purpose. And then once he has a purpose, he makes a plan. And the cool thing about God, who can stop God? Nobody, isn't that cool? So here we go. Are you, you guys, I'm so pumped. I have been wanting to share this passage for five years with you guys. And we're gonna sit with it for six weeks. Not this one passage, but the book of Ephesians. We're gonna go right through the book of Ephesians. But this, these two verses are unbelievable to me. Look at this, Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. God has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Okay, now stop for a second, you guys. We're all down here and we're trying to figure out what's life all about. And, and if you're a Christian even, you're going, man, God, what do you, what, what's everything about? What, what should I do with my life? And here, right here, it goes, hey, guys, God's revealed the mystery of his will. <laughs> right? I mean, immediately, antennas should go up and go, what is it? What is God's will? What's his good pleasure? What's God's pleasure? What does he want, in other words? And then what did he will, and what was his purpose in Christ? The very purpose of Christ and his plan is to do what? What is it? It's to unite everything. Why? Because when things are united, they work. And when they're separated, they don't. And so how cool is that? And so, but for there to be unity, there must be a unifying factor. Because look at us, man, we are so different and we're so diverse and people all around the world and different cultures and different languages. And I can't even get into the beauty of this, but if you notice, it doesn't say God just wants everybody. He goes, what? He goes, I'm going to unite what? Everything in the heavens and on earth. Like grass and mountains and moons and your puppy and you and God is going, here's my, here's, oh my gosh, you just wait. I think he wants to give you, you and me such hope. Someday there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and guess what's going to happen? It's going to be unified. Everything. And in our culture today, could we use a little unity? Help us, Jesus but you gotta have a unifying factor. So if you're in, or in an orchestra, you play the oboe, you play the clarinet, you play the drums, you play the tuba, but every one of those unique instruments is looking at one score. And that's how come, and the only way that, can, that all those different instruments, instruments can sound beautiful is when they're unified on that one score. That's why when a football team says, no, let's run one play, and you all run the one thing, or you listen to the one coach, then you get unified and you're effective and you win. 
okay? Every company has vision and mission and values, and you get together, and they say, we must be aligned on these because that's the only way we can actually be successful. So for God, how, what is his plan? How is he gonna unite everything in heaven and earth? But let's just bring it down. How in the world is he gonna unite you and me? How's he gonna do it? In this verse, it's in Christ. The unifying factor is Jesus. Well, yes, why? Because Jesus actually is the creator of everything. And the creator is the only one who knows. He's the one who's designed it. He knows the purpose of everything. And so here you are out there going, why am I here and what am I supposed to do? Well, how are you gonna find out? <laughs> Unless you get connected to the one who designed you, who actually thought of you. And how in the world are we ever gonna get united if you're trying to do your own thing and I'm trying to do my own thing and you're trying to do your own thing, all of us are trying to find our way to life. No, so God says, <laughs> I have such a will, and it makes so sense because you can see God going, wait a second, man, I created all of this, and if it would, everything would come together and be unified, wow, it would be amazing. So it's his desire, but the unifying factor is it happens in Christ because he's our creator. So here, grab your notes and hit the top. You'll see that here's my phrase, and, and this is what we're going to talk about for six weeks, Okay. We're gonna talk about God reveals his plan for unity and how you can, I can actually live in oneness with God and with each other throughout this. Yeah, it is sweet, thank you. It really is. Cause come on, man, our division is killing us. Our sorrow and our sadness and our emptiness and our bitterness and our anger. And God's like, no way, baby, that's not what I'm all about. But here's where it starts, you gotta know this. God's greatest desire is to be with us. His greatest desire is to be with us. Now, you know what's interesting? When I first gave my notes to these guys, I said, God's greatest desire is to be with you. And then I realized that's half true. Does he want to be with you? Yes. But you know what the Bible says? His greatest desire is to be with us. See, the reason he wants to be with you and you and you and me is because if God, and if I'm one with God and you're one with God and you're one with God and you're one with God, then he can actually bring us together. So his greatest desire is to be together with us. And so I'm gonna try to show you because that's what I saw in this passage. And I, 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 I just hope this blows you away. So here we go. If you have your Bibles or phones or whatever you use, Ephesians chapter one, starting with verse three. Look at this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Crazy. Even as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, God predestined for us, us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Okay, did y'all get that? Okay, no, okay, let's, let's tear this thing apart. Before I do, let me just, this is fascinating. Emily Esfani Smith 
wrote a book called The Power of Meaning, Finding Fulfillment in a World Obsessed with Happiness. I was listening to a leadership podcast this last week, and they were interviewing this gal. And here, this was fascinating. She said, as she has studied, and she did tons of interviews herself, she did, she did tons of research, just, you know, studied what other people had researched, and said, people who actually live full lives of meaning. She goes, there's four pillars, there's four things that are true about those people. Anybody here want to live a full, full life of meaning? Okay, here they are, number one. And, oh, by the way, she's not a Christian. <laughs> she isn't getting this from Christianity, she's getting this from studying human beings, Okay? Here's the four things you got to have to have a meaningful life. Number one, a sense of belonging. Interesting. We're supposed to be together. Number two, having purpose. Interesting. Number three, transcendence. Being connected to something much larger than yourself. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Now, here's what she said. She goes, those three things didn't surprise me. I thought I'd find those. People need to belong. People need a purpose. And they need to be a part of something bigger than themselves. She goes, but the one that surprised me was people who actually live lives full of meaning. She goes, they have a narrative. They have a story that they're telling themselves inside their head. And the people, and and here's, here's what's true, you guys. All of us, every one of us in this room, whenever anything happens to you, you immediately have a narrative that you tell yourself. And you, you have something that you tell yourself about me, about yourself. You have stu- when things happen, you have a story that you tell about God. You have a story that you tell about others. All of us have this narrative. And here's what has to happen. If you and I are going to experience, like what's the goal for today? We must change the story that's inside of our head. Because if we don't change the story that's going on in here, then when things happen, we don't think rightly. And if you don't think rightly, then guess what? You don't act rightly. So that's what we're going to go at today. And what I'm going to help you with is to, I'm hoping I can help you change the narrative, the story inside your head about God and what he actually believes about you. Okay? And here's what God, I I want you to know. I I, I hope you'll walk out of here And as you exercise this, that you will think this, that God's greatest desire is to be with us. His greatest desire is to be with you. Now, how can we know that? I gotta bust through these. There's five things in your notes. These are so critical for your application for this week, okay? So write these things down. Here's the first way that we can know that, is you are chosen. You're chosen by God. Ephesians 1.4 even as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, here's what's cool. If you're chosen, you know what that means? And there's your next blank. You're actually wanted by God. Now, can I just ask you, how many of you woke up this morning, and that's the narrative, that's the story. How many of you woke up this morning and go, man, God wants me. How many of you feel that? Do you feel like God actually wants you? I shared with you earlier this year. The story in my head as a pastor after walking with Jesus for 30 years earlier this year was God is against me. So when things would happen in my life, that was my story. Well, how am I, how am I gonna live if that's my narrative? Is your narrative, your story, God chose me, therefore he wants me. Do you feel that? You know, so let's go back. 
Do you remember when you were in elementary school and they were gonna choose teams? Oh, how many of you hated that moment? <laughs> right, why? Because you're standing there and you're just wondering, oh my God, do I have any value whatsoever? No, I'm the last one. But can you remember when they said your name? Dave, what do you do? You go, oh, okay, <sighs> I belong. You know, and, 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 it's great, and that's actually what's interesting. As soon as you're chosen, you move too. And here's what God's saying, I am choosing you. Here's what it implies. That thing that's over there, I want here. Right, so Susan and I went and looked for a gift yesterday. We go through the store, there's all those things crying out, choose me, choose me, choose me. But then eventually, right, we find the one we want, and as soon as we want it, we choose it, and it becomes ours. Come on, man. Your narrative, can you believe that? Can you see it? Can you feel it? If you, every morning, can wake up and go, the truth is, praise God, he chose me. Apparently, God's greatest desire is to be with me. You gotta feel that, man. You gotta know that. The second one is this. He makes us holy. Now, Ephesians 1.4, that we should be chosen so that we would be holy before him. Now, here's what's interesting. The word holy at its root word means to separate. <laughs> so if God's all about unifying, then why does he want to make us holy and separate? The word means to cut. Like, you know, take this piece of paper, boom, 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 no, separate. You know what it means? When he, God is making you holy, what he's separating you from is anything that keeps you close to him. Anybody in here got stuff that keeps you from being close to God? Okay, so we all do. That's the state of the human heart. The human heart doesn't want to follow God. We want to do our own thing. Well, guess what? If you're doing your own thing, then you're not following God, then you're not close to God, you're not connected with God, and then you're not connected with God, and, you're not, and it's a mess. So God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you holy, and I'm going to cut away the stuff in, that's luring you from me. Isn't that a sweet gift? Now, I tell you what, when God cuts me, I don't like it because I like that thing. But God goes, no man, I'm making you holy. Do you believe that? See, so when we, when we see that God is, is choosing us to make us holy, here's what that word means. He's setting us apart. He's going, I don't want you, I don't want you devoted to anything else more than me. So I'm, that's your blank, by the way. God sets you apart to himself. He goes, you're mine. You're mine. You're chosen by God. You're wanted by God. You're made holy. Can you see that? See, because when you're chosen to God and then he sets you apart to him, you can start going, wow, God is serious about wanting to be with me. And he doesn't want anything, anything to keep me divided from him. Here's a third one. He makes you blameless. He makes you blameless. Ephesians 4 goes on, that we should be blameless before him. Okay, this one's, this one's actually pretty cool. Think about this. Like how much blame do we throw around with each other? <laughs> Anybody married? Right? You, we, got, we got blame all the time. We can always see the things that people aren't doing right. And here's the interesting. When you're blaming somebody, what that means is they're guilty. And if they're guilty, then you make that judgment and then there's a consequence and then there's separation. <laughs> 
Because if somebody's guilty or blamed in, in, out there in the law, that's what we do. We take you, we separate you away, and we stick you in prison away from everybody else. But that's what we do in our relationships with each other. If all I can see is what you don't do and what you aren't, boom, separated. It's so funny. While I'm working on this message, I need to hurry up and get my stuff in. I'm like, Susie, would you please come in and help me? I just need some help to think through this stuff. She goes, sure. She sits down across in our bedroom across on the other side of the room, and she goes, um, Dave, um, before we start, um, I think we need to talk. <laughs> yeah, some of you know, right? Right there you're going, oh, great. She goes, I think if I tried to give you help on your message right now, it wouldn't be very helpful. And so what had happened? I had really hurt Susie. And so as soon as that was happening, and her hurt, she goes, I confess. She goes, I came into the room, and she goes, I just wanted to do nothing but walk right back out. See, so when you're holding blame, and the same thing is true with God, can I ask you a question? What's your narrative right now with God? Do you feel guilty before God? Do you feel like what you're doing is so shameful that there's no way God would want anything to do with you? I can tell you this right now. You've all been there. I've been there. And when you feel shame with God, the last thing you want to do is go, oh, God. We're going to sing later, I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. And really, the reality is like, I don't even want to go to church, and I don't want to have anything to do. I'm not going to my small group. You know, it's like, because why? Because when you feel blame, shame separates you. And here's God going, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you blameless. Isn't that cool? So can I ask you, how many of you woke up this morning, looked in the mirror and go, blameless? <laughs> yeah, that's what Jesus did. That's what God did. He looked at you and said, in Jesus Christ, I took all of your sin and I put it on him and I've already punished it. I will never punish you again. When I look at you, look at this. In fact, this verse, Colossians 1. Once you were, once you were alienated from God, and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical death on the cross to present you, listen to this, holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. Woo! Come on, man. Can I ask you, what's your narrative? God's against me. God's so mad at me. God's, God, there's no way he could be pleased with me. God's, seriously, man, this is what I struggle with. And if that's your narrative, you won't walk with God. So you got to change your narrative. Can you see it? Are you starting to get a picture? God, his greatest desire is to be with you. So he takes away all of your shame. So you never have to worry Never, no blame, no judgment. God so wants to be with you, he chooses you. And by the way, your blank there, I know blanks are important. The blank there is nothing can separate you from God. Nothing. That's the narrative. That's what we gotta be telling ourselves, okay? Here's the fourth one. So we're chosen, we're made holy, we're blameless, and then the fourth one is we're adopted. How can I know that God's greatest desire is to be with me because we're adopted? Ephesians 1, 4, 6, in love. So, okay, so, so God has love. He predestined us for adoption, look at this, to himself. Okay, and I'll get to that in a second. As sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with what? His pleasure. How do I know God wants to me? Because his pleasure and his will is to say, I want to adopt you. 
to the praise of his glorious grace. And that word grace means it's just a gift. You don't do squat. You don't try to get better. You don't try to be religious. You don't try to be good. You're screwed up, messed up, sitting in a corner, and God goes, yeah, that one. That's my pleasure. That's my will. I want you. Come on, think about this for a second. What does every foster child, some of you probably in here were, and every child who's in an orphanage, what do they wonder? Will I ever belong to a family? Will anyone ever want me? Children are meant to be connected to their parents. Children are meant to belong to a family. And when they're not, it just doesn't work. So here's what God's saying. You once were far away from me. And I wanted you in my family. And he chose you. And he adopted you. Do you see God's greatest desire is to be with us? We're chosen to God. We're set apart to God. Nothing can separate us from God. And we belong, because that's your blank under the adoption. Because once you're adopted, you belong to God. And here's the last one. In case you're still needing, I'm still not sure if God wants me. All right, let me give you one more. You're redeemed. You're redeemed. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the richness of his grace, which he lavished on us. Don't you love that? God didn't go, oh, a little gift. Let's go to the dime store. Let's go to the dollar store. No, God's lavishing grace on you when he redeems you. Now, what does redeem mean? I, my daughter asked me that this week. So redeem means this. When something originally belongs to you, okay? Now, and by the way, everyone, what, what did we learn earlier? God created what? Life. All things. Every person. So every one of you in this room are originally belong to God. Every person you know, every person on the planet was God's idea originally. And so precious to him. So redemption is when you own something, when it's yours, and then it gets lost. Or it gets stolen. Or it gets captured, imprisoned, or enslaved. And it's apart from you. Redemption means you can actually pay a price to purchase that thing that was rightly yours and get it back. Isn't that cool? And so in this time, in war, this was what they used for war. If a person in a war was captured and enslaved and made a prisoner, then originally in this, in this country, you could, as the king, say, I want that guy back, and you would pay the ransom, and then you could get the guy back, and you could bring him back to your country if you made the payment. And here's what Jesus says. Here's what the scripture's saying. God is saying, I, my greatest desire is you. And you, and you, and you, every person I created, I want back to myself. And so he redeemed the world. And what was the price that he had to pay to get us back? 
1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6 says this. There is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. One. That's why we worship Jesus here. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. The price to redeem us back to God was death. And so God sends his son. He loves you so much. He wants you so badly. He would pay the ultimate price of his life to have you back. Revelations 5, 9 says, and they sang a new song. And we're going to sing in just a minute here, baby. Get ready to praise God, right? That's what Paul's saying here. Praise God. He redeemed me. I was enslaved. And by the, you know what our slavery is? It's to sin. Every, every human being is enslaved, captured and enslaved to a will that doesn't want God. Every human being goes, I want to do my own thing. I don't like this God thing telling me what to do. And so we all run around doing our own things. And then the scripture says, everyone does what is right in his own mind. Oh, great. Total chaos. And so we're enslaved to it. We can't stop it, though. You can't follow God. And he goes, I know. So I'm coming in, baby. And they sing a new song. And they said, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Talking about Jesus. Because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Do you guys notice what both those scriptures said? It said Jesus paid his ransom for who? For all people. And he gave up his blood and he died. So here's what's cool. There's not one of you in this room that God doesn't want. There's not one of you in this room that he hasn't already died for. There's not one coworker, one enemy of yours, one, you name it, all the people that we don't like, that we don't want to have anything to do with, God is going, but I died for them too. And here's what I want to do. I want to bring all of you together. Because if I could bring you together, it would work. And your marriage would work, and this church would work, and your workplace would work. Do you believe that? What's your narrative? What do you believe about God? Some of you are going, I don't even think he wants me. Are you? We, we do. The, the enemy, Jesus said, your enemy is a liar. When he lies, he speaks his native language. And so almost all the work that we have to do, and we're going to get to spiritual warfare in the last message of this series, almost all the work we have to do is right here. You've got to change it. You've got to wake up in the morning, and this is this one. This is how we know what God wants for us. We're redeemed. His desire is to be with us. And that blank is we are purchased by God. We are purchased by God. So do you see it now? Do you see God's greatest desire? It's for every one of us in this room. He wants to be with us, in us, in us, in him. So he chooses, he chose you. <laughs> I want you. And then he cut, set you apart and made you holy, away from everything else. And then he made you blameless, totally forgave all of your sin so you'd have no shame. And then he adopted you into his family. And then he gave his life to redeem you so you'd be his possession. I want to tell you, man, when you wake up in the morning and your heart is full of that truth and you just go, God loves me. You know what can happen? You don't walk out in the world and go, oh, you. 
You don't look at your wife and your kids and go, man, why aren't you making me happy? Why aren't you fulfilling me? Job, why aren't you fulfilling me? K2, why aren't you fulfilling me? We see, we don't, we don't, we just don't even look at everybody else because why? Because we're fulfilled. <laughs> because I know, man, I rock. I am created by God and redeemed by God and belong to God and he's in me. That's where all of this has to start. Because until this happens and you're full with that, you're gonna look for it in everybody else. And guess what? All of you are gonna screw up. And so am I. And then we're gonna judge each other and say, oh, you're not this and you're not that. And then everything is gonna fall apart and we're divided. Does this make sense to you? Okay, cool. That's why I'm so excited because you know what's true? This is possible in Jesus Christ. Life in Christ is possible. I know it is. And so, God makes his will known to us. So now, how do we, how, what do we do with this? What do we do with this truth? Okay, and this is why you should have taken notes today, all right? Because how do you change the narrative? Because how you think is how you will act, okay? So on my sabbatical, for two and a half months, almost every single day, I attacked my toxic thoughts, the things that aren't true, and I replaced them with truth, changing my narrative, okay? Now, here's what's cool. Science shows us. So science is finally catching up to the Bible. Do you guys know the Bible said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind? And now science goes, oh, wow, that's actually what happens. <laughs> they can see it. No, they can see it. That's why I love science. Keep, keep going. You're going to find out more and more of what God actually designed. Here's what science sees. When you have, they can, so your thoughts actually take up real estate in your brain. And they can see toxic thoughts. They can see them. And then when you start thinking what's true, chemicals get produced into your brain, and this thought, the toxic thought, starts to disappear. They watch it shrink. Is that not cool? And then a new protein forms in your brain and grows a healthy thought. So you literally can change the narrative. So here's my question. Are you guys all going to go home and just go, oh, nice message, Pastor, and, and go home and keep thinking that God doesn't want you, that he doesn't love you, that he's not interested in you, or are you gonna change the narrative and go, wow, God's greatest desire is to be with me and you and you. So how do you change it? Here's what I wanna ask you to do. This is what I did all summer, and I'm doing it, I, I'm, I'm just doing it all the time now, because it works. You go home tomorrow morning, and you, and I put it on my phone, actually. I, I, my, my lock screen is, is the phrase, and I put a phrase on there that I'm gonna tell myself seven times a day, okay? And then what you do is, if you wanna do that, if you can remember, that's great. So what we need to do this week, the first phrase that you need to put on there is, I'm chosen by God, which means I'm wanted by God. And then you put that on there, and then you look at your calendar, and you go, okay, when am I gonna have a break? When am I not in a meeting? When am I not gonna be disturbed? And you set seven alarms. That's what I do. And then I make sure I'm by myself, the alarm goes off, and I'm like, and I pull it up, and I think that thought deeply. It takes 15 seconds, then you go on with your day. The alarm goes off two hours later. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. Science is proving when you think what's right repeatedly throughout the day, you change the story. You change the narrative. And the whole mind, can you imagine if hundreds of us started actually believing that God wants me. And then we look at each other and go, and God wants you too. I don't know why, but he, did, <laughs> but he does. 
And, and so I guess I should too. So let's work on this, right? This will change your life. And God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will that he purposed in Christ to bring us all together would happen. And you would love your life. So here's what I want you to do. That last question on the blank. And the band, come on up. It says this. How will believing that we are with God and that God is with us affect how you live this week? How would you look at your life differently? How would you look at your boss and coworkers differently or your spouse or your kids? If you knew. Just write that down. Now, I'm going to tell you, this only works, okay? And we're going to get, this is next week's message. This only works if you actually get united with God through Christ. If you're still separated from God, then all that he wants to give you, it, it won't happen. So next week's message is all about how do you enter into this state of unity. It is what God wants. He wants, he's, he wants all of you. But if you're not experiencing this, next week you gotta figure out, it's like, how do I enter in? How does this become a reality in my heart? And the Bible says you actually can believe in, trust in Christ and receive him. And that spirit of God will fill you and unite you, okay? Now, so we're gonna worship him because that's what it is. And some of you are going, but Dave, there's still two blanks on my page and I can't go home unless I fill in all the blanks. Okay, so here you go. God wants to be with us, to bless us. The whole reason he's wanting you is because he wants to, look at this. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ, look at this, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we're not talking money or possessions. What we're talking about is his, God blesses you with every spiritual blessing, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the wisdom, the spiritual power, and the strength of God. He goes, I want to give you all that. Does that sound good? So here's it is. So he wants to be, the reason I want to be with you is so I can give you all this stuff. <laughs> and then the last thing is, and every blessing is in Christ. It's in Christ. You're going to see this. The book of Ephesians in Christ is mentioned like 30 times. Paul's, Paul got it. He goes, the only way you get reconciled back to God is you receive and you trust and you believe in Christ. And in Christ, it's his peace. The creator in you, giving you his joy. It's his presence inside you. So, man, we're going to take our offering right now, the Connections team, as we begin to worship. And see, this is, this is for me, like offering, small offering. I'm like, I can't give God enough for what he's done for me. This is a, such a, a small token just to say, man, God, we love you. Thank you. And so thanks for providing for me. And I, I just, I want to love you too. And so we give back to him. So if you love him and you want to give to him, let's do it. It's fantastic. But then we're going to worship him, okay? And this is a brand new song and it's all about Jesus. It's just going to be, because Jesus, the, we, the, Jesus is the one who can actually give us the courage and the strength to move into this intimacy with God and with each other. All right? So let's stand together and let's worship this amazing God. Praise be to this God.
who wants to be with us. Let's do it.